0: going to study the uh, very difficult subject this evening. It, uh, I don't want it to be controversial in nature that you will close your mind uh, before you can hear. But we're going to talk about the role of women, and that is a very uh, difficult subject today, <coughs> causing a lot of difficulty among members of the Church. And I think it's necessary that we talk about it in order to sort to clarify and keep an open mind and the right attitude. <clears throat> because I feel that is what causes a lot of difficulty in the church. We must face it. We have a problem. And it's uh, causing... Uh, A lot of misunderstanding and a lot of people are drawing conclusions without really discussing it with an open mind and uh, with an understanding of the scripture. And we need to study any subject with an open mind and with a mind to learn. And maybe I should clarify that I don't believe in women preachers. I don't believe in women getting up in the pulpit and taking over before I ever start, so that you will not make me say if I look at a woman or, or, or the passage on a woman that you will say that I am implying that. I believe a woman should be in subjection to man. I don't believe she ought to teach over a man. I believe she can teach a man, but I don't believe the scriptures teach us that she is to teach over a man. And there's a difference in teaching a man and teaching over a man. And I think that's our difficulty. Now, in order to get this into our mind, and we'll sort of center on this and we'll have more lessons on it, I want you to turn to the two difficult passages that we have. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35. Now, a lot of people... When they read certain passages, they draw a conclusion. And then, if you differ with their conclusion of what that passage teaches, uh, you become their enemy. And they make you say some things you didn't say. Now, this is a passage, First Corinthians 13, 14, 34 and 35, is in the context where they were using spiritual gifts in a gathering and they had at least five different things they did and when they would speak uh, two or three would get up and uh, speak at a time and other prophets would judge that's the context and if we had time we'd go through that and sort of lay that out but that's the context and that's the atmosphere you have there they're appropriating spiritual gifts now if a woman was given the position that an ordinary prophet gave there that was judging then she'd be usurping over a man which would be violating 1st Corinthians uh, 1st Timothy 2 11 and 12. So she has to be forbidden to be in that particular capacity of judging these other prophets up here. And uh, so this is where she is really these women, whether they be women prophetess or just women. But we'd understand it's a context that they had both women and men prophetess. It'll show in this. But this was limited. And uh, the prophets, if they had something—there's two or three up there—if something was revealed to one that sits by, the one, the judges said, say, you stop. This other one has a revelation, and you give way to that one. Now, woman's out of that because that puts them in violation. She is running, and that's why God didn't create her that way. Created her in subjection to man. He just made her that way. Doesn't mean she's inferior. Just mean he made her in such a way as that she is not in the leadership role in that capacity. And for that reason, these two verses were given in that context. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Under what condition? Or you have two or three prophets speaking. And you have the rest of the prophets judging, keeping order. And when one over here has a revelation, and he says, I have a revelation, and one over here says, Would you please be quiet, be silent, and let the other man talk? That's the way it was working. Now women couldn't be, even if they were women prophetess, which they were in First Corinthians 11, we had women prophetess. They couldn't be in the capacity because it violates 1 Timothy 211 and 12. And it it, it it just you just don't put them in the capacity. So this is the reason why he said, let your women keep silent in the churches. It didn't mean they had to be silent in the churches, they couldn't say anything. They couldn't confess Christ, they couldn't sing, they couldn't teach, which they were able to teach in First Corinthians eleven. But it was in this particular instance that put them out of their place, and he told them to be silent, for it is not permitted to them to speak under what condition when they violate another passage of scripture, or they violate their position in creation. But they are commanded to be under obedience, and that's just nothing but just a, their role as God created It didn't mean they couldn't teach, it didn't mean they couldn't do the work that he gave them to do, but it meant that they couldn't be out of their position that God created them in. Now, number 35 says if they'll learn anything. Anything about what? You mean they couldn't learn? No. It means that if they would learn anything, the women prophetess that were there, and and God has made a woman very inquisitive. He's made her, for she has to know the details. It just absolutely just runs her batty. If she and and that's what makes her a mother. They can outrun us, and they can outmanage us, and they can outmaneuver us because they know the details. God made them that way. Now, if they want to know what's taking place here, they don't interrupt this scene. They wait till they get home. Then they ask the men. Now it's translated to husbands, but the word husband in the Greek is the word for man. What about virgin daughters that prophesied? Well, they could ask their men. They could ask the men that were there. They had them. We got, in Acts 19, Philip had four that prophesied. What did that mean? They taught. They taught. And they knew something about the interaction of spiritual gifts and things, but he didn't want them to interrupt this service. Now, that isn't difficult to understand. That isn't difficult to understand. Now, I want you to turn First Corinthians 11 to show you that God has in his order and his, his teaching position and his teaching scheme, he has a place for women, and he had a place for women in that day and time. But he created woman after he created man. And she's always been a person who certainly has had to, ha, has had to recognize her place in creation. It doesn't mean that's an insult to her. It just means that her position, is that way. Now look at 1 Corinthians 11, and the only reason I'll read this to you is to show you that if we're really going to believe 1 Corinthians 14, where it says for a woman to keep silent, and we're just going to use that as a whipping stitch uh, uh, switch and say, she can't do anything, she ought to be silent, she can't teach, it's a shame for her to do anything, and just use that as a fact, as a, as a and just not consider anything else then we're overreacting and we're not really getting the message. We're overlooking this. This is a passage that is just as inerrantly given by the Holy Spirit as 1 Corinthians 14. This is important. Well, what does it say? It says they taught. It said they prophesied. Look at this. Let's read this together. Be ye therefore followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them. But I have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man. God just created us that way. And the head of Christ is God. For every man praying and prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Now, why did she have her head covered when she prayed or prophesied, wherever that was? This was a worship meeting. And she had to show her position with her husband. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man ought, indeed ought not to cover his head. For as much as he is an image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. And she honored him, and she had her head covered to show that she did honor him. She did honor him. I want you to look at that verse up there, the fifth one. There's a lot of unknowns here, brethren, and we ought not to get in t- attached in them to the degree that it keeps us out of harmony and being open-minded. Now, verse 5 says, Here is a woman that prays and prophesies. She, with her head uncovered, dishonored her head. She has got to recognize her head, and when she did that, she did it by wearing a covering. In that time it was a cultural thing, for well, that is even as one if she were shaven. One thing we know that if you turn over to the 14th chapter. The second verse, the one who the third the third verse. That word "he" is a pronoun, but it refers to anybody that prophesies. And if you will to take a you know a, a version like the New American Standard, it'll have a person that prophesies. Speaks unto people, anthropos would be male or female, to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. Now, it just shows that that there was a system in that day and time that women did pray and prophesy. It was of God. But she always had to recognize the authority. And do it in subjection, and never do it in violation. Now, First Corinthians 11 had to be a public meeting, or the head. We know that from study that she wouldn't, couldn't even consider the covering. But she never did anything in those meetings and teaching that she dishonored the man, and she was always subject. And to him and recognize him. Now, I want you to turn to Acts, the second chapter. Look at the uh, 16th verse, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Look real closely, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means teach, that means speak for God. How did they do it? According to 1 Corinthians 14, the daughters didn't ever do it where they were over a man or a man was over them. They didn't do it in these places. But they did it in 1 Corinthians 11, someplace, in a man, but they still recognized the man. They didn't dishonor him. See? It's just the way that God created us. Now, women may get offended and say, well, listen, I read that passage where it says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. In Christ we're all one. So I want to have the same place, and that's what we're having a problem with today. See, Only just like a man. I want to be a minister. I want to do this." Well, I'm sorry God created us in a way that we have our sphere to operate. Now, he doesn't mean he doesn't let people teach. It says right here, this is fulfillment of prophecy, verbal inspiration. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. I believe that. I believe 1 Corinthians 11. I believe the did. Now turn to Acts. I think. in Acts 19 and I should have it here where uh, Philip had four virgin daughters that prophesied uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's 21 maybe it's 20 Ephesus and then he comes to uh scripture just left me, uh, I thought I had that, uh, It's in probably 21 here, where he comes, and finding a ship, let's look at 21, chapter 21, and over in Phoenicia we went aboard and set forth, and then when they discovered Cyprus we left uh, on a sail to Assyria and landed in Tyre, for there the ship was to unladen her her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, he goes on down there, and verse. And, and the next day uh, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode there. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did teach. Now, uh, when you read, when you read, let's go to First, First Timothy two eleven and twelve. When you read First Timothy two eleven and twelve, and here's the way some people will do this, do the scripture, and this is what causes turns a, 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 a conflict into a feud is when you read the scriptures like this uh, because it's vague and they don't know all the facts and it, it turns a, a conflict into a feud but uh, look at 1 Timothy two eleven and 12 somebody comes in here and says I'll tell you what the scripture says you look at that 2, 11 12 it says let the women learn in silence with all subjection but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence, we don't want any of them to teach it. And that's just the way it is. That's what God's Word says. And then they mix it with that First Corinthians 14, and it says, it says, let your women keep silent in the church, and it's a shame for them to speak, and that's the way it's going to be, and they're not going to have anything happening that violates those passages. Uh, and you know, that's the way man does, and he just tears up everything. Anybody that believes any different, he believes in women preachers, and we ought to outlaw him. withdraw from him. That's damaging. That's the way to turn a conflict into a feud and to destroy brethren. First of all, it's very vague. It's not taking facing the issue. The issue is what? The issue is, God said by Joel, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 11, it says, they do, but they recognize the man. That's reason why they're covering. For whatever they did, they had permission to do it. They didn't usurp authority. They didn't violate that passage. But they did it. Maybe they had a particular gift. Maybe they had a particular gift that they were using. But they recognized their creation status, and they stayed in line. 1 Corinthians fourteen, they didn't violate that. He said the way did was to do it, just stay over the course here, but didn't mean they didn't couldn't do it. I want you to take a look at the way Jesus worked with people. He didn't stifle peoples. I want you to look at look at Luke. Look at Luke, the Gospel according to Luke. It doesn't mean that he turned women. Uh, loose and uh, let them just use up authority and run wild but let me tell you you remember when he met that woman at the well that woman that had five husbands and was living with a man probably had six or eight kids every one of them had a different daddy she came during the time when nobody would be there except her now, I put that in. That's not true, but it could have been that way. And Jesus didn't see her as a low-down harlot, a person who had been mixed up in her marriage, not subject to be helped or anything. He saw her as an object of his love. And he said, Woman, you know, if you just know who I was, You'd have asked me for living water, and I'd give it to you. No respect for persons. She loves women as well as a man. And she said, You mean you're greater than Abraham and those and others? And I know when the Messiah comes here will tell us all things, but she said, but she found out before she left that place that he knew that he was the Messiah. She believed him. He didn't say, don't you go out there and teach anybody. Don't you go out there and tell people who I am. You can't do that. He couldn't. She just went out and she just told the whole community. Now, they didn't buy it. They did until they went and saw it from the sale. And they said, well, this woman, she spoke in such a way as to bring out the whole community. And then when they went out there, they saw him, and they said, hey, we, we believe her now, we believe him, that he's the Messiah, not because of that woman. And that's the kind of prejudice they had toward a woman. And especially that kind of woman. That, we don't believe because she told us. We believe because we saw it ourselves. Now, if you can't read that into the context, you can see just how prejudiced people were against women at that time. But you know what? She told. Look at 24, chapter 24 of Luke. The first ones that were there, certain of them, they came, and uh, we know who, the, who they were. Look at the first verse. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the scepter, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others—let's well, go up to uh, the fifty-fifth verse of the twenty-third chapter. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and beheld the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. Who was it that was interested in Jesus? Who was it that took up a contribution and helped him? Who was it that bought him things? Well, you say, well, that's okay for a woman to do that, because they can do it as long as they're done. Well, that's all right. That's fine. He didn't make an issue out of it. We just need to see how he interacted and he realized his creation, they were very important. And they returned and prepared spices and ointment, (coughs) and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment, so they were devoted, and look on down (coughs) at the 10th verse. Of the 24th chapter. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them which told these things about the apostles. <coughs> now, I want you to look at that passage. This is inspired. A prophet Luke, a Gentile, is writing this. And the first people that ever told about Christ. I think that's a shame? See, we've got to put it in context how important it is and how devoted God's creation and how interested women are and how much of a part of the church they are. But they don't need to be out of their place, especially because of the culture and especially because of the way he created us. We have to respect our creation, but we can't just, you know, and and their words seem to them as idle tales. They didn't even believe these. Here are women that outstrip the men by faith, by their presence, by their devotion, by their consecration to God. ran to the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen, and laid them, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come to pass. We need to understand, look at number 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. they found not his body they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive God interacting with women God interacting with women doesn't mean they're over man it doesn't mean they're ashamed for them to speak it means they're human beings and that they're part of it. we're all on the same team thank God and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so they told the truth God interacted the men missed it but him they saw not then he said unto them, You foolish hearts, slow heart to believe." The prophets have told about this. The women just had some faith, and they, they had more faith. They hadn't given up. They were energetic, and they were enthusiastic, and, and, and we're all on the same team. Now, as long as we can synchronize these passages, 1 Corinthians 2.11 and 12. That doesn't contradict 1 Corinthians 11. It does say that they teach, that they taught, that women taught, but they were still under subjection, as 1 Corinthians 2.11 and 12 said. And First Corinthians 11 doesn't contradict 1 Corinthians 14, because the men were in their place. And if we think a woman who wants to teach or do something, just as long as she recognizes where God wants her, hey, us thank God. Now, women can get abrasive and they can get uptight. I know some Churches of Christ today that have decided that if a woman can pass the communion from place to place. She can pass it in the big. There's not any difference in that. And the elders said, "Oh, that makes sense." So when you do it, and some women have said, "If I can't do more than that, I don't want to pass the communion." That's happened in California. Now that's a wrong attitude. I don't think they'll even do it in our culture right now. We're not ready for any of that. Well, see, the woman the, the is, is, is out of place when she takes that attitude. And so we have to blend. We have to blend. We have to understand. You know what kept <coughs> the women out of the pulpit of the denominational churches? Now, some of them are charismatic, and <coughs> but let's say the Baptist church, Presbyterian church a long time, is because it took an ordination to make him a minister. Now, they're going to soon overcome that, probably. But a woman didn't do some of the things men did because she wasn't ordained. Now, that's man. That's denominational, and that's not of God. See? But that's what sort of controlled it, the reason why they didn't have their big problem. Baptists for years haven't had the problem because. The, they didn't they didn't ordain a woman, so she couldn't be a, and a pastor and this thing. Now I don't know, that's going to change probably later. But what they need to do is come back and see that First Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, is just heated, they'll harmonize with first with eleven, and first Corinthians eleven will harmonize with first Timothy 2, 11, twelve. And not you just keep man as created a being, a leader, and over the woman? And as long as you say, well, he could just give her then the, uh, the he could give her the promise, he could give her the power to get up there, and he could no, he couldn't either. Why? He would violate First Corinthians fourteen. He'd violate 1 Timothy 2, 11, and twelve. You see, but if he saw that the woman his teacher and God had given her a special gift and she could teach somebody a certain thing, he can say, you uh, tell us about this. That wouldn't follow You see, so it's really, we don't have, if we just open our mind and understand, it's not anything to divide over anyway. Not anything to disfellowship a person over. I want you to close. I want to close the first with Romans 14 and 15 and just show you what Paul, when it's in the realm of opinion, somebody said, well, no, this is not, yes, it is. It's opinion when you get to taking scripture and making it satisfy you and using it as a hammer to hit a person over the head with. Uh, that's not Christian. I want you to look at this uh, 14th chapter of Romans. Now, here is a week a person in the faith. Uh, But he said, you receive that person, but not to doubtful disputations. You don't take your opinion and make it a law and beat a person in line because you believe one thing. He said, one believes that it's alright to eat meat and the other believes that it's alright to eat herbs. And he said, this is a thing that doesn't matter. But he said, you know, he says, look at number five. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day a lie. Let every man be persuaded of his own thinking. Now, in this particular setting, we can say, Well, I just believe 1 Corinthians 14, 34, 35 means what it says. I just believe First Timothy 2, 11, 12, so it means what it says. And I'm just not going to have anything to do. They can't do anything. Now, that that is is not taking the view of all the facts. See, you're taking one position that you're wanting to have your way and you're wanting to... In other words, you'd cut out Jesus' plan of how he taught women and how he interacted with them and how he prophesied they could teach. You'd do away with inspiration. It's because you want to control things like you think with one passage of Scripture. And that's what causes a lot of trouble. See? And here said. uh if you regard, look at number six. Uh, you regard a thing, uh, you regard it. If you think, well, that's what I believe. First Corinthians 3, 14, 34, 35 verse ten. Well, just take it. If you, if you are serious about it, but don't fight about it. Study it, and I'll assure you, if you study with open mind, you'll come to a conclusion that you don't destroy your brother with it. I want you to look at number verse 12. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to the Lord, how he's conducted himself. And that's based on Scripture, all the Scripture, not just one passage or two, interpreted like we want to hear it. Look at number 11 of 14. As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Number 13, let not us, therefore, that judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his own brother. Why is it so important that we fall out and not speak to one another and withdraw fellowship one another because I make a guy say, a woman can preach, and, and he didn't say it at all. Why is it, see, uh, by the Lord Jesus, the 14th verse says, that there is nothing unclean of itself. Now, if we want to see a passage and we believe that's, that's what it says, we need to study it, and we need to be very dedicated to it, and when we study it, it will usually clear up. See? And in that 15th verse, they were grieved just because one said, I don't believe in eating meat. And other said, oh, I just eat her. And they were just having a fuss about it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, really, the, the, the problem, the role of a woman. We fall out over the role of a woman when we let the role of a woman to touch people's lives deteriorate. Don't even use her like God said to use her. We let our relationship deteriorate and don't do anything. So like they were making a big to-do over meat and vegetables, we make a big to-do over whether that passage said, Now I want you to look at number 17. This is what the kingdom of God is. It's not meat, it's not drink, and it's not saying, who can interpret this passage to keep somebody uh, from this or that? From this? The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, it's harmony, it's joy in the appropriating the Holy Spirit into our lives. For he that is in these things, serving Christ, is acceptable to God and approved of man. Now, I didn't cover everything, and we didn't solve every problem. We never will. But I hope it gives you something to think about. That a lot of time in our study of a thing, we isolate each other and it, and it, 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 from growing and accomplishing a thing God wants us to. If you're subject to the call in any way, come as we stand together. Sir.